and the Academy Award for Best Podcast goes to Through the Lens. Oh, actually. Oh, that's that's well. Who would it be then? Well, not us. What? what? That, uh, you remember that was the reference to 2018 Oscars? I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. Just for people at home, just in case, because Alex did. Y'all can't see me acting like I'm opening an envelope and then closing it. I mean, yeah, we 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 should we should incorporate the camera just so everyone can see the fact we got a camera us. in front of me right do, here. We do. We do. Maybe, maybe that's next multimedia. How, how's that going to work? I don't we know. Start YouTube? our own app for posting that. on posting on no posting on YouTube. Oh, maybe, yes. maybe, sort of. I don't know. But uh, anyway, this is the Through the Lens Movie Podcast. I'm Alex alongside Davis, and we thank you for joining us on another Oscar-themed episode. If you couldn't tell by the intro, because Davis was obviously referencing the Oscars, though honestly. I find a lot of people don't watch the Oscars. Yeah, they're, they're, they've, been, they've been steadily going down because uh, you can just literally just look it up online after see who wins. Yeah, that's all true. It's overly long. It's just people going like, and hey, uh, don't eat too many shrimp tonight, folks. And it's just like inside jokes between like really famous rich people. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to watch them. I really like the Ricky Gervais uh, year when he hosted. Just like a t- remember the Tom Somebody Hanks was like, everybody. wow, because yeah. like, but even then, nobody watched that because Ricky I, I Gervais is also very rich. Nobody cares what he has to say. I don't know. It was funny. I like. I mean, it. it was. Yeah. I mean, like he had a decent point for some people, uh, from some people's perspective, of course. I thought. I just thought it was funny. Above all, it was. No, it was really funny. But like the the things that look, I was watching a video about this. Ah, here we go. It, I'm gonna be picture on the mic. Good, right? Yeah, you're good. Okay, good. Just making sure. Oh my 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 headphones was turned down. That's fine. Uh, yeah. There you go. There you go. So uh, I was watching a video about this. I think it was Eddie Burback. On YouTube, check him out. He's yeah, I've a actually, good creator. I mean, I've watched a couple of his videos before. He's awesome. I, I love his videos. But he made a video about why the Oscars, how the Oscars should try to stop being so uptight because they're really like tight. Like you <laughs> know, they're like really bureaucratic. They're really by the books. They don't want to like uh, uh, really change anything too much. So you know, like you know, like they're like uh, you have you can't. You, you you know what I'm saying? I, I yes. Have to explain. Like, I, they're, they're, just, the, they're the establishment. They're so prestigious. The they can't they can't change it and they can't have fun. It's like it's like the snobs, the film snobs meeting together to give each other pats on the back. I I think it has certain moments. Like I, that. It definitely does have certain moments that are cool, especially when they mess up. That's what gets them going viral. So maybe if they kind of eased on the eased a little bit on the. Uh, on the restrictions that people can have, I think more people will probably watch it. It made it a little, maybe a little shorter and a little more entertaining. Have music perform there every once in a while, instead of just having Ben Affleck go up there. This is like Eddie Burback was like Ben Affleck go up there and make some dumb joke that he does, you can tell he doesn't want to say. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I used to watch it just because it used to be a, b- a bit more popular movies, and now yeah. it's very much you know niche limited release movies that nobody's seen which is just now i've seen them for this podcast but i'm not sure if i would have seen outside of maybe three or four of the total best picture nominees this year maybe and and of the best actor ones but yeah this this episode we're going to be talking about the best actor category all five movies nominated and the performances by them now some of these movies are nominated for best picture and of those we will save our overall quality comments for the major at least majority of the overall quality comments for the best picture episode because that's going to be evaluating those movies as a whole. We'll stick to mainly the actor's performance. Admittedly, I might freak out a bit and talk about a certain film's quality at the end, but we'll see when we get there. But first and foremost, because we, like the Oscars, may go a bit too long with this episode as well, we're going to talk about some movie news initially. Not a lot this week, though, so we'll probably be done with it in a I was really bit. scraping the bottom of the barrel getting some of Yeah, these. this week was very, very slow. Um, first and foremost, Top Gun 2, delayed till November. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Miles Teller's in it. He is. Miles Teller. This is like his first big job since like Whiplash. I feel like. Yeah. Well, no, he, he did. He, don't forget, he did Fan Four Stick. Uh, look, that, my, that, that was. I was the watching. Joke. A, I was watching a video about how Miles Teller's kind of like an industry plant, or like you know, like those actors that Hollywood really tries to force onto you. I feel like Miles Teller is one of those, but like I really like Miles Teller. He's good. I like him too, but I, he, he was in Footloose. Well, that was a decent. Movie. I like him too, but he he did the whole cast me in the big budget young yeah. young like he was in uh the uh the Divergent series, which is based on the books, which the movies were not good. The third movie went straight to DVD. That's bad when your tr- when your third movie in the trilogy, your finale goes straight to DVD. That's bad. And did he Maze Runner do that? No, Maze Runner went full full theatrical. All release. three of them. Yeah. Mace Runner did well. It didn't do as good as The Hunger Games because a lot of people have been trying to copy that young adult novel um, to film 
uh, you know, like formula. I, I like in the first one, yeah. Maze Runner was pretty good. I did good. too. I did too. Did not like the second, third ones second as much. One. I, saw I, I remember both. I started reading the book when I was in like middle school. I never yeah. finished it. I, I I was not a big fan of the uh, first and second one myself, but you know, uh, or the second and third one, excuse me. But yeah, so that's kind of what happened with Miles Teller there, and then he did Fan Four Stick, which well, I'm look, all you need to know about time. Miles Teller is just watch Whiplash, sure. and then you'll understand true, why true, I like true. him. But yeah, uh, Top Gun Two. De- delayed till November. Maybe my parents will be sad about that. I was excited about the Maverick trailer. It, it could have some moments. I don't know. Yeah, the flight might. scenes are going to be cool. But other than that, I don't know. Uh, also, Paul Dano, who Davis has, you had, you had like last week. You I said know about Paul not, Dano. You've not heard of him. Well, him. I mean, like I knew who he was, but like he, you were like he's so underrated. I was like because I knew him because he's in Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, and like I think I've seen him maybe some other stuff, just like not as big roles. He's great. He's great. Yeah. He's really good in There Would Be Blood. Uh, he will be playing Spielberg's dad in director's autobiographical movie. Is Spielberg directing the autobiographical movie? I think so. That's kind of weird. I mean, uh, Shia LaBeouf made Honey Boy, which is about him. Well, yeah, I, but that—I mean, I know it's not the same thing, but like, yeah. it's not unheard of that. A it, this one's just a bit because, like, the Honey Boy is like loosely based because, like, the idea is that um, Pedro Almodovar loosely based Pain and Glory of himself. And yeah, he directed I, I, that. I would say Honey Boy maybe more in that vein than straight autobiographical, um, but. I don't know, it's just odd. But Paul Dano would be great because he's great in everything. He's going to be the Riddler in um, the Batman. Is Did Spielberg have a potential, uh, a particularly interesting childhood? Or like, was his dad... Like, I'm not sure. I know his, his the way he got into movies is very... And, you know, he has a lot of very storied productions. The production of Jaws has gotten its own three-hour documentary a number of times because of the craziness that went on on set from the, the, the shark not working to, you know, going over budget... To bringing the author of the book on the boat and then leaving him back on land because he was so annoying, stuff like that. I'm not sure about childhood on that one. He is again one of the most storied directors in history just because the blockbuster that he's directed. But other than that, I'm not sure. Also, Netflix has signed a deal with Sony to run their movies on net on Netflix after theatrical runs. That means Disney Plus has lost the rights to future Spider-Man films starting in 2022. Starting in 2022. Um, wow, this is big. Um, a weird thing to me is a lot Unless of Unless Disney finally caves and just buys Sony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A weird, but Disney, you know, is currently in debt after the uh, 21st, 21st Century Fox or 20th Century Fox uh, purchase because they borrowed money to make the purchase. They're going to make the money back, but right now they could not do it. Disney's kind of going on a speed run to make a monopoly. Disney, oh, wait, they've already got it. Disney is. I've been watching a lot of videos on Disney lately, actually, on the entire. We got a whole episode on the entire setup of that uh, industry and how Bob Iger is the death of Disney, actually. But that's a whole separate uh, episode, maybe. But yeah, no, it's interesting. But a lot of people are like criticizing Sony for like, oh man, how dare they rob us of Spider Man on, on Disney? They're just in it for the money. I'm like, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, Sony's its own autonomous company. Say what you will about them. But like, they're they're not just a, they're not they're not obligated to sell just yeah. because you want to see Spider Man. Yeah, they have, like, their, they have other things besides and like, that. You're, they're like, oh, just in it for the money. I'm like, isn't that what a business does? Like, it's just such an odd criticism of a company that makes money. Like, wow, they're so cruel for holding on to Spider Man. It makes them more money than most of their films do. What else do you want them to do? Like, excuse me, it's just bizarre. To me. But yeah, also speaking of comic books, it has been confirmed via Matt Reeves that the Batman with Robert Pattinson will be taking place on Earth 2, not Earth 1, therefore separating this universe from the current place DCEU, therefore establishing the multiverse and keeping the hopes of Ben Affleck's Batman alive. So yeah, that's actually some... People assumed that, but now it's officially been confirmed. That's some big implications because one, um, the multiverse is pretty cool. And two, I think... I think a multiverse concept in order to allow different iterations of a character and interpretations of a character to exist is a cool concept as well because Pattinson and Affleck's Batmans could be entirely different, entirely different stories. If they're good stories, they're good stories, and I'd go see them. I, I won't get Batman fatigue, personally. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, a thing that was confirmed. Um, also, Russian... R- what? Russian version of Lord of the Rings thought to be lost resurfaces. Like, 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 like... The book? Like, what are we talking here? We like talking a movie based on the book before uh, Peter that, Jackson's version. That was entirely in Russian. Yeah, it's made in Russia. It does not look near as good. It was, like, yeah. back in, like, the 80s, I think. But, uh, yeah, it seems pretty interesting. I've seen some screenshots from it. It seems uh, intriguing. Maybe we'll, excuse me. Maybe we'll have to do a podcast on that one? 
Huh? Who knows? Huh? If we can include it to the Lord of the Rings episode. Forget the Lord of the Rings episode. We can just talk about that instead. We know. I was so. Uh, while you pick that up, Alex dropped some papers. He's working on picking up right now. But like, I saw this on Twitter, and there was some people were talking some crazy stuff in the comments. They're like, "Oh, that just proves there's no good Russian directors." Just crazy. <laughs> just just an incorrect opinion. <laughs> I'm sorry. I get like. Uh, no opinion is incorrect, but that one's incorrect because there are good, uh, many good Russian directors. Uh, like that some is of the best so... directors ever. Like, pe- like people say, like best directors ever. A few of them are for Russia. Tarkovsky's like yeah. the big yeah. one to think of. That's that's the big one. That's just like you could point at any awful Michael Bay film and say no good American directed. What? Yeah, they were like <laughs> it was crazy. bad film take easily. Um, that's bizarre. But maybe we we'll have to watch the movie. Also, Peeps are apparently getting their own animated movie. That's mm. like Hop. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. Uh, huh? Speaking of that, Powerpuff's Girl live-action show started filming. Davis, can you Google a picture of the Powerpuff's live-action uh, TV I've show? I've seen what it looks like. Have, no, have you seen like like the yeah, filming? Yeah. yeah. It I've looks it. so bad. Like, cartoon, like, cartoons should be cartoons, I think. And I feel like most people would agree with that. That's the Lord of the I'm showing out oh, Lord of the Rings. Just look no. up Soviet era Lord of the Rings. No. I mean, it looks like a, like a PBS thing from America. Oh, my gosh. That's horrible. And also, in the they last. They did not get Tarkovsky for this. Let's just say <laughs> that. <laughs> Clearly. Um, and in the last bit of news uh, for the week, Loki and Black Widow trailers released uh, the, this past week. Davis, did you watch either of them? I think I've seen some of the Loki one. Is that Maybe that's a different one. I don't keep up with trailers. The one with Owen Wilson? Well, yeah, I know, but like, did they release another one after no. the initial? Okay, I've just, seen it. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So honestly, I'm kind of hyped, but like, this one's dealing with the MCU time travel that they used to Endgame, and like, it may be tying up the loose end, but I don't know how they're gonna do that because. And apparently, some people say there's like a screenshot that looked like he was sitting with Black Widow. Yeah, but apparently that's a uh, Lady Loki or whatever. Apparently that's a character. Interesting. Couldn't tell you. I didn't know about um, that. But yeah, that is uh, what was released this week. I don't know. I'm kind of MCU'd out, man. I, like the more I think about it, like it's not like I'm going through some sort of you know phase of avant-garde films like yourself, Davis. Uh, it's not a phase, Alex. Yeah, all my movies aren't avant-garde. I'm not watching Cleo avant-garde. five to seven every other day. I never watch it ever. So it's not that. It's actually a good movie, but that is an avant-garde movie. That's the or definition. like watching. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a crazy one. I mean, you could maybe make the argument. That, Ooh, uh, let's see. Uh, from from the Earth to the Moon, I feel like an American avant-garde probably Donnie Darko as Canadian. I I don't I've never seen it, so I can't say if it's avant-garde or not. Um, but I'm just kind of MCU'd out right now. It's like it's not but like, like I'm but like comic it, books. Uh, you say your thing real quick. Sorry, no, you go ahead. You go. Ahead. But I was about to say if you actually talk to an avant-garde person, they would they would like scoff at you saying that I watch avant-garde. Yeah, I, I, know, do not. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just getting on you. Just messing with you, but I got. I'm go- eventually. I'm gonna get there. Like a racer head uh, or fear and loathing. Those are like don't go avant garde, Davis. Because once you go avant garde, you never go back. I'll man. just start watching David Lynch movies. They yeah, they they are certainly something. I'll say that. I've seen some Twin Peaks before. Twin Peaks is weird in a good you know way. That psych episode of Twin Peaks, Dual Spire. Uh, <laughs> he has to stand in that one spot to call Juliet. <laughs> and that they, episode was and the, so. They funny. want the cinnamon cakes. Yeah, there's like there's the like cinnamon the pie. people dancing. And like, um, and there's like the Cinnamon King, but like the Cinnamon King killed a girl. But like, there's a there's so also weird. another Twin Peaks reference. Twin Peaks was kind of big early two thousands. My mom actually like it got was the nineties or nine. Or also, it kind of went to the early two thousands. No, like. it didn't. Was it ninety? It's like nineteen ninety one. Regardless, my mom was really into it. She got like the the companion book with it and stuff. Ooh. She was telling me about it. But in the Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated show, there's a big Twin Peaks reference. Really? Because Scooby-Doo in his dreams will see, like, this girl dog he's talking to in the red room, like, with, like, the curtains, and it has the little person dancing backwards and the really tall person. That's from Twin, directly from Twin Peaks. Mystery Incorporated is actually a good show. I don't know about not, not It is. Like, it's, I it know. has a good overarching plot, and it, spoiler alert, I'm about to spoil something. Spoiler alert. The ending sets up is... The ending sets up the original Scooby Doo, like the movie or the the show, like the oh, original 1960s yeah. show, because they're going cross country to go to college, and along the way they solve these mysteries. Whoa! But there's a little bit of inch issue with it because like they reference some of their old mysteries early on in the show, so it's not perfect, but it's pretty mm. cool. That's it's a pretty cool, cool show That's overall. Cool. That's cool. Now, Davis, 
Tell me. We're done with the news. Are you ready to get into the uh, best actor category films? All five. The five being for a refresher, Mank, with Gary Oldman nominated for best actor. Then you've got Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Chadwick Boseman nominated posthumously for best actor in a leading role. Then you've got Minari with Steven Yoon nominated for best actor in a leading role. Then you've got Sound of Metal with Riz Ahmed no- nominated for best actor in, also in a leading an, also role. Also a rapper. Also in a show called The Night Of, which is very, very good. I recommend watching that. Also Nightcrawler. That's right. He was in Nightcrawler. And in Rogue One. That 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 one, yeah, I remember that one. And then finally, Anthony Hopkins nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role for the film The Father. We're going to go in that order through these films, all five of them. And we're, again, going to stick mostly to an evaluation of the actor's performance. I think we're going to talk about the plot a bit, maybe talk about the film a bit overall. But if I'm not mistaken, Mank is nominated for Best Picture as well as uh, Sound of Metal and Minari, both nominated for Best Picture. Actually, wait, no, Sound of Metal is not nominated for Best Picture. Yes, it is. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it wasn't written down. Excuse Oops. Me. Wait, is it? Are you sure? Yeah. Really? It has to be. Yeah, thought, it is. Yes, it yeah. is. Okay, I thought so. I, it just wasn't written down. Sound of Metal being nominated as well as The Father being nominated. So, again, we've got... Just, what? hey, can you pause that? i got to pee. That's why you didn't drink all that water. Yeah, Davis, I'm just saying, we're not cutting out. Like, we're just going to cut out the time when you're gone, but, like, this is staying on the show. Yeah, we'll be right back after this brief commercial break. Just kidding, no commercial. We will be right back after Davis takes a break. And he's back. 20 minutes. There's a lot of traffic. <laughs> not at all. Not that's at actually, all. That's kind of like a world record pit stop. I mean, honestly, it's, uh, it's definitely, up, it's definitely up. cars, oh remember? Gosh. Yes, yes, <laughs> I then, remember. And their mustaches fall off. <laughs> I mean, Hey, yeah. McQueen, eat your heart out. That's <laughs> what Chick Hicks says. I know. Michael Keaton, by the way. My, yeah, it's Michael Keaton. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, the uh, father, Mank, what? I was going to say nothing Michael Keaton uh, quote. Oh, dear. <laughs> never mind, oh, never yeah. mind. Anyway, the father, Mank, Minari, and Sound of Metal, all nominated for Best Picture. And honestly... Those four films might be nominated in part due to the actor's performance in those films. Let's get started with Mank. Mank is the film that is about the writing of the all-time classic Citizen Kane by writer Herman Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz was tasked by Orson Welles, one of the hottest directors in Hollywood at the time of 1940, to write Citizen Kane in 90 days. Then it turns to 60 days, but it's also... Herman Mankiewicz is a uh, alcoholic who is struggling severely with that at the time, of the fi- at the time in the film, and when written is tasked with, like, having a producer by his side to ensure that he doesn't, you know, fall into a stupor and can write the uh, story completely. Now, I've not seen Citizen Kane myself. I've always wanted to, but I haven't gotten around to it. But it is considered an all-time classic and one of the best films ever made. And naturally, it has a very interesting story of Herman Mankiewicz himself, a fascinating writer who really represents a mix of eras because he came in at sort of the end of the silent film and into this sort of uh, era of, um, of you know, mix of stills, some silent films and ta- some talkies, what they were called. And then Citizen Kane sort of marked a uptick in using the talking and then making true s- cinema as it is known today. So from what I understand about Citizen Kane, which I've not seen either, yeah. I've not had the chance to yet. Indeed. It's actually on HBO Max. Really? I'm pretty, I'm then. like 80% sure it is. Yeah. But, like, Citizen Kane's kind of known for its kind of, like, editing style where it flashes back and then forward a lot. It's about a newspaper, so if you're not, like, jumping out of your chair to go watch it, you got to be. It's about a newspaper. <laughs> I mean, truly invigorating plot. There's, been, there's some, been some the, good... One of the most... But, 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 go ahead. I just want to say real quick, Mank, it's kind of, f- from what I understand about the editing style of Citizen Kane, Mank is basically kind of paying homage to, because it flashes back a lot in Mank. They'll yeah. have him sit in his bed, and then he'll mention something that'll kind of show kind of where how, how he developed this trait or how he got to this point and all that. And that's kind of how, from what I understand, like I said many times already, it's how Citizen Kane kind of is. Yeah, and uh, Mank does that. This is directed by David Fincher entirely. I just what? want, uh, wait, this, well, I'll, never mind, never mind. Entire, entirely in black and white. Again, I would say keep. It's an HDR, so it looks, the lighting's pretty good. Yeah, the lighting is pretty good. It's very cool, uh, the way that it looks. Uh, Gary Oldman, the actor playing uh, Herman Mankiewicz, wanted to do a lot of makeup, and David Fincher actually encouraged the opposite for my intimate experience. Now, I'm going to be honest. Not not a big fan of this movie itself, but we can talk about that in the best picture because Anna's nominated. I think. Do you, do you think we should talk about the movie? Or do, what are you feeling? Because I kind of just said that in regards to uh, talking about 
only the performances, not so much the movie. But since it is nominated for Best Picture, what do you think? Do you think we should talk about the movie as well, or just strictly talk about? The I say we just itself? talk about the performance. Maybe we can mention the movie, but save yeah. more of our thoughts about if it should win for Best that, Picture for the Best Picture. Yeah, or I agree. the di- I agree. directing. So um, again, directed by David Fincher. Uh, I, uh, wait, is this is this up for Best Director? Yes. Ah, oh. what? I know that. I'll say right now, this is one of David Fincher's lesser movies. It's I, one of I, his worst movies. I would agree, but that's cons- also because his filmography is top tier. Yes. He is. has some of the best movies ever made in his uh, repertoire, um, and that's part of it. But I would agree with that as well. Um, still a good movie, in my opinion, and good for him as well, but not like Seven, not like Gone Girl, not like The Social Network, not like Zodiac. You know, those are. Did he do Girl with a Dragon Tattoo? Was that no, Lynch? That, that, that was somebody else. That was not either of them, actually. Was it not? I think for some so. reason, I thought it was one of the Davids. I always <laughs> get them two mixed up anyway. Maybe it's a third David. Do we do? Is there a third David? Are you sure it's not? I thought it wasn't Finch. Is it him? Oh, it is Fincher. My bad. Let's go. There you go, Davis. Doo-doo. Very nice. Let's Very go. nice. But yeah, I knew again, it. he's got one of the best filmographies e- around of the many directors uh, that there are. So I would say that. But it, strictly on Gary Oldman for a, se- for a second. I don't think it's his best performance either. I don't either. I, I said it was. I think it's good. I said I. It, it's good. I it's said a good Gary Oldman. I said this may not even. I I wrote this in my does he deserve his section of uh, of the or the the document we're both looking at. I said this may not even be top five for him. Yeah, I mean because uh, Darkest Hour, Leon uh, the Professional, Leon the Professional. That's the one. Honestly, maybe the Dark Knight. He's pretty great yeah. as Commissioner Gordon. Then, I would say. So you could make the it's not it's not his best one by yeah far, it's though. not I think I think Darkest Hour is the best performance I've ever seen from him maybe Leon the Professional as well um, he's oh he's so good in Leon yeah. and again that's the thing is that that's what you're getting like this is not a bad performance by Gary Oldman it's just not the best compared to some of his greater performances he but just, it's still good it, he doesn't do as much as he does in like that's Leon true. where he's it's, literally an insane guy it's a lot more reserved so he doesn't have a lot of material to sort of work with and go outside of the standard but I still think it's a good performance I still think it's a good performance I think you know. Any other year, I think it'd be um, – but he's going to go up against some all-timers in this category, and we'll get into that a bit later. But, again, I think it's a good, serviceable performance for uh, Oldman at this point. I think, you know, it's not – it's certainly not his best. I think, I think you know, you got Darkest Hour, you got Leon, you got his consistency in The Dark Knight, bringing that Commissioner Gordon character to life. I think I think the he works really well at being – like, you know, covering all the bases, like the flashback versus the flash forwards versus the present. He's two very different people. Like, there's a lot, there's like a little less joy to it almost in the in the present. Like, it's, you know, people that love Citizen Kane thinking, oh, man, I think it's going to be fun to see this. It's kind of a more, not very joyful film. It's very, and he, I think, accurately portrays where Herman Mankiewicz was in his life. Because for, for those who don't know, after writing Citizen Kane with Wells, Mankiewicz basically had a sort of resurgence back into the Hollywood scene, but he detested Hollywood because, as I said, he was a man that was brought up in the odd era, in an era where he he saw movies that didn't have sound and then was writing Citizen Kane, two different so- different sides of the spectrum almost. Because Citizen Kane is driven by its story versus the silent movies, which are anything but that. And I think, naturally, he saw where Hollywood was becoming with Paramount and MGM and then the MPAA with their rating system, which led to a very censored Hollywood, actually. I learned about this in my film studies class. And I think I think Oldman perfectly portrays a dejected Mankiewicz. And I think that, again, he does really good. He's just going up against some all-timers in this category. But any other thoughts on Mank before we move on to so, a bit more enthralling <clears throat> performances? So we're also not going to talk about supporting actor or actress. That's true. I might talk about supporting actor because I have seen all the movies in the category in that a little bit. Maybe, maybe we'll, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll If we have time, I might that. mention it Honestly, real quick. We can throw that in with maybe Best Picture as well. I guess we could. Yeah, I think that'd be I think but, that'd be good point. Uh, so Amanda Seyfried... How do you say it? Seyfried? Seyfried? Amanda Seyfried, I thought. There you Seyfried. go. You said it. Yeah. She's playing Marion Davis. She got a Best Supporting Actress nomination. I thought she was pretty good. I think good. she was good, yeah. but we're going to talk about Minari later, and there's someone in that movie that I think could maybe and should have taken her Another spot there. Yeah, may- maybe. Maybe. We-, we can definitely debate that uh, since we got these two movies standing back to back. I mean, like she, yeah. she did good, but like I don't think she didn't like blow me away as much as, I'll just say it, the wife in Minari. Yeah. She was brilliant as well. Yeah. I, I think I think that's a good point. I think I think for Seaford it was just you know it's kind of that this is her first really as far as I can remember like you know she was in Mean Girls which I don't I don't I don't, like I love I love that movie I think it's hilarious but you know this is just a different type of role and a very more serious role and I think she did really well I think 
Maybe somebody else should have got nominated. Yes, the wife from Minari, perhaps. But I think Seifert did well enough anyway. I think it's... I also think the... She was in Judas and the Black Messiah. She played Fred Hampton's girlfriend. I cannot think of her name for the life of me. I could probably find it, but I think she also could have been nominated. Perhaps. If she wasn't, I don't Perhaps. think she was. Yeah. Um, so do you want to move on to the next movie on our list, which is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Chadwick Boseman's uh, performance, the last performance of his career, uh, no less, yeah. in that film. So Davis, why don't you take it away on this one? So this movie is about, it's basically a play. Yeah. Like the whole movie. Like Fences, actually, written written by the yeah. same person. It is takes has like basically three sets that it kind of flashes back, or not flashes, it kind of goes around to, and is following this young trumpeter, trumpeteer? Trumpeter. trumpeter. Trumpeteer named Levy Green, played by Chadwick Boseman, who basically wants to start his own band. He's like, I guess you say he's a hot shot, but he's a really good trumpeter. So it's kind of like he he kind of has like justifications for it, and he kind of gets into an argument. There's a lot of arguments between him and the other guys in the band, and Ma Rainey is kind of the leader. She's like they're basically yeah. So okay, so Ma Rainey is the uh, she was real. She's the, she was real. Yes, she was real. She's the mother Did of. You not blues. see the end? It showed. I, I, I just I just thought that was like an inspiration. No, that was, I no, no, that, that was it was I, real. And I it showed like the picture of Levy Green. Ah, oh, cool, cool. I don't know. I'm not sure if he if the actions that occurred in the yeah. movie. Yeah, but um, so Ma Rainey is the mother of blues essentially, and she's the bit one of the biggest stars in music at the time in this film. Which interestingly enough. Do they give you the date? They don't give you the year, do they? It's like 30s, I think, because yeah, they talk about the Depression. Yeah, right, but they they don't actually specifically tell you, which I kind of like that detail, but Ma Rainey's this big blues player, uh, or blues singer, and she's this huge star, and she has this band that plays basically backup for her, and this is about her recording a session and recording it's an in album. in 1927. Ah, there you go. Recording an album with a studio, and essentially the two people are Viola Davis and, as Ma Rainey and Chad Bozeman as uh, Levy, and Levy trying to break away while Ma Rainey trying to, you know, be steadfast and demand perfection from these producers, which she explains in a monologue later. And we, she's nominated for Best Actri Actress in a Leading Role, Viola Davis is. And we'll definitely talk about her role more in depth in that episode, which we're doing Best Actress next week, by the way. But Chadwick Boseman playing Levy uh, is trying, you know, just, he wants to have his music heard and he wants to be more than a backup uh, musician. And also he believes that he's good enough. And... He also has a very tragic backstory, which we see in a couple of monologues from Chadwick Boseman, which are incredible. They really are. Uh, Davis, you want to talk about that a bit? Uh, so I wrote here about Chadwick Boseman. I think his performance was phenomenal. I thought it was amazing. He really brought a youthfulness to it because he's playing about like a, I'd say, a play, an actor in his, or a trumpeter in his twenties. Yeah, and he's easily. he was in his forties when he filmed this. Not to mention, as we uh, learn tragically yeah. after the fact, he was undergoing uh, treatment for cancer at that point. Which again, just I still am kind of in awe of that. But then now that you know, you look back, you notice he was, as you can see from his movie progression, he does get thinner as the movies went on, which is like throughout the end of his career, which is just kind of sad to see. But he knocks it out of the park yeah. in this movie, all things considered as well. His monologues were moving. They were very well done. The You can see all the emotion on his face and in his voice. Yeah. And you really felt for Levy. And I don't know if we should spoil it. We should save that for best. It's not even up for not, best yeah so, so, yeah, so spoiler in effect, obviously. But, Davis, go ahead. So I'll give you a few seconds before I spoil it. We already said spoiler. Pause it right here. But just in case, they, just in case they're not quick enough. Yeah, okay, okay, fine. But so this movie kind of boils to the point where he's kind of arguing with uh, – this character played by Glenn Turman named Toledo. Oh, yeah, Toledo. And Toledo, uh, Levy gets some nice new shoes with the money that he gets for selling his music to yeah. the executive producer or the producer. Yeah. So the, I'm pretty sure that's how he got the money. And Toledo basically scuffs his shoes for the second time in the movie, and it just kind of boils over, and Toledo just stabs him. Or, I mean, uh, 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 Levy stabs, Levy stabs Toledo. Toledo, which was... I, like I, I knew shocked. he, I, like when he had the knife, I knew he was gonna do something. I was really nervous that he was going to. And, I mean, I, I could, I was like, I was shocked. It was such a good, great movie. Watch it if you can. It's only like an hour thirty. Yeah, it's hour and thirty four minutes. Very, very short. It's on Netflix. Um, and it, it, it just watch it for if you just chat. Just watching for Chadwick is yeah. enough. Uh, just yeah, I would say he gives a great performance in here. Uh, he is not my pick to win it, but we'll discuss that. I think at the end we can discuss our picks. Yeah. Right now we're just going through performance. But again, you know. This is a year where I think the Oscars got it right. With you got four great performances. Again, we even talked about Gary Oldman just just a few minutes ago. Not his best, but still a great performance anyway. Chadwick Boseman. This might be his best performance ever. Honestly, I really like him in 42. I'm not gonna lie. He's really good in 42. That was kind of his uh, first big break. 
at playing Jackie Robinson, but this movie is also a really, really good performance. And you got to see it for this in Viola Davis because Viola Davis keeps putting amazing performances in movie after movie, year after year, seemingly just topping herself every time. But we'll get into that next week. With Chadwick Boseman, it's an incredible last performance of his career, an incredibly storied career in such a, a short time frame. And again, one of the best, but still a tragic end, unfortunately. Because honestly, coming out of this movie, you know, I'm thinking, man, what a performance. I can't wait to see the next one. And then it's just, you know, the next performance by him. And then it's just, it's unfortunate again. But still an amazing performance that I recommend you all see because it's a good one. Now, on to our third movie on the list. This movie is Minari, the technically foreign language film, but it is done by an American studio and actually features uh, English dialogue, which I, I thought I'd heard about that, but I didn't know that until I saw it and they spoke. And I was like, wait a minute, what is happening? And the actor nominated is Steven Yeun most famous for his role in The Walking Dead as Glenn Ree. I don't know if you knew that. You didn't I, watch The Walking I did Dead. Know that. I used to watch The Walking oh. Dead when it first came out, but I, not. I didn't keep up with it after the second I, season. Oh, it's so good. Um, Anyway. Actually, I did. I remember when they went to the prison. Yeah. But I didn't keep great. really up with oh, it man. after that. But yeah, this is honestly yeah, recently Stephen has recently been in Burning, which is another great movie. Uh, it's uh, another Korean movie. Indeed, but this might be his biggest role yet. Uh, and Minari is uh, a Korean family that moves to rural Arkansas to start a farm and live the American dream. Their son David has heart problems and has a struggle between accepting his grandma's culture and the new American one presented to him. At the same time, Jacob and Monica have marital issues, Jacob being uh, Stephen Yoon, surrounding Jacob's obsession with his farm. And I got to say... I take it you liked my synopsis there. Yeah, I did. I did. It very, that sums it up very well, honestly. Um but I would say this. There, there's one particular note uh, for me that I have about this movie that really impresses me is, and maybe maybe uh, this is just uh, lack of understanding on mine, but so when you, you watch Walking Dead, so when Steven Yeun played Glenn, you know, he's very, like, he just spoke English the whole time. You're like, okay, like, the, he knows English. I did not know that Steven Yeun was actually born in Korea. I yeah, he's in from South Seoul. Korea. And one thing that I really loved was his ability to, his English accent was that of a non-native speaker, which I thought was just a really cool detail because it, even though he had lived in America, he still spoke as if English was obviously not his first language. Yeah. I just thought that was a, I just thought it was cool because every time it sounded convincing, and I think that's obviously not. I've heard him speak normally, and that's not how it's. We so basically had to go back to that, and because I'm sure he maybe because ha- obviously being born in Korea that yeah. wasn't his first language, but it's just interesting to hear. Um, that again, because I don't know, it's just it's like cool detail. So I was thinking about that when I was watching it. Yeah. So with different like languages or different dialects, even like in the South, you can like lapse into a Southern accent and then you can kind of look yeah. at everything through that Southern accent. But I was thinking about like you know like French is a language where like the accents and the yeah. the way you pronounce things is very 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 important. Because yeah. if you mispronounce it, it could mean a totally different word. So you start. It, I feel. I, I was thinking about it, and this is what I kind of the conclusion I came to, similar to like if you're a native speaker of Korean and then you like move to America and have the American accent as well. So you lapse back into that, or you don't lapse, you go back to speaking that Korean accent naturally and you can kind of look at that, the English accent that would come with it like naturally. Yeah. Because you're pronouncing yeah. Korean in a diff- yeah. different way, like just French, like they can't, they can't pronounce certain words in English yeah. and English people have trouble pronouncing certain words in French. Yeah. So like you kind of look at it through that lens. Like if a Spanish speaker that can also speak English fluently could probably do a good uh, non-native yeah. English accent. I just thought it was very unique because, you know, traditionally in the foreign language films where the majority language spoken is not English, you will not hear English spoken. Like Parasite, you don't hear our That's actors. That's in Korea. Well, no, I know. I know, I know. I'm, I know. I'm just, it's just, it's just not the norm. Like when you're like, you're not used to it. So when it first happened, I was like, wow, okay, that's an interesting wrinkle to it anyway. And I thought it was just interesting. And I also thought it was a great part of his performance. Honestly, his performance overall is great anyway. I think it's really, really good. I'm glad he's getting some recognition because, I mean, he was kind of the heart and soul of The Walking Dead, his character and his performance throughout the time, his time in the show. And, yeah, I think it's just a great performance. I'm, what are your thoughts? I thought it was a great performance. He kind of showed all the different emotions that he could in a movie. And I think it wasn't really, like, it, it was verbally talked about, but, like, you could kind of see it on his face and in his actions, like his, con- his conflicting emotions about the farm and his family. Yeah. I thought that really came through well in his performance. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. How, and how he, like, not... not I guess his pride because he wanted. He basically said in the movie. He said in the movie, he's like, "I want my, I want my kids to see me succeed." Yep. And you could see that in the way he acted in yep. certain points. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, I think the best thing about that is that was not some shocking reveal. That was telegraphed throughout the movie by the plot and by his performance as well. You knew that, 
And I think that's what I liked about it. Is, you know, some movies, you know, the characters will have this like sort of moment of clarity and they'll announce something. It's like, oh, I didn't really see that coming. But in this, you know what's happening. You know, you can tell from the first moment that he is there. You can tell from when he's in the bathtub and he can't lift his arms up so his wife has to wash his hair for him, which is like, that was just like, you know, that was just, you know, it wasn't such a heart-wrenching as much as just, you know, it just felt it just felt real and felt natural. And first of all, the chemistry with the uh, actress who played his wife, I could you all look? Yuri Han. I, I, cannot I have it written down on. The oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. You do. Um, yeah, she's just she's great, and their chemistry is great. And I think that's part of what sells his performance as well. I mean, he's just he's good, and I think honestly, I'll say this: I think in a lot of years he may have won the Oscar, but he went up against two all-time great performances that we're going to get to next. And you think you're ready to go on to the next two, Davis? I think I am because the next movie is. No, nah, uh, I got to say that for yeah. Next movie I love. I'll just say that. Yeah. And I love the performance of Will. And, oh, the next two movies. Yeah, the, ne the next two movies, we're going to say this right now. These are all-time great performances. And the first is Sound of Metal. And if I may read off this uh, little synopsis that Davis has. Yeah, it's not that. It's not uh, really that. Yes, heavy, heavy metal drummer Ruben Stone uh, finds that he is going deaf and has to come to terms with the loss of his hearing. And it's not a progressive. It's a sudden loss. Yeah. Like, he even tries to pop his ears back like it just goes off like that. In I the like film. that touch. I, I, I like that too. he was like, he was he was covering, yeah, he was that, hold his nose and blowing out. That's like what you do so when you have pressure I was actually I was actually watching it with, uh, I was watching it with Megan and she was like, oh, this never happened before. You know how to do that? And I was yeah. like, I've never lost yeah. my hearing before. Well, it's not that you lose your hearing. Like if you go at a high enough altitude, your ears will get blocked up or low enough altitude. And you have to close your nose and you blow out and it pops them. Well, she said she couldn't, she temporarily couldn't hear anything. And I was like, oh. Well, like it. I, I, oh, man, I uh, need to get that checked that's, out. That's but like, like, if you go high enough, your ears aren't used to it, obviously, so it kind of gets, like, not clogged up, but it's, like, the pressure of it, so you have to pop it. Yeah. It's hard to explain if you haven't really yeah. done it before. And, again, this movie nominated for Best Picture, but also um, nominated for Best Sound and Best Film Editing, Best Original Screenplay. We can talk about that. And it should definitely picture. win Best Sound. If it yeah. does not win Best Sound, I have yeah. beef with the Oscars. Yeah. Um, I already do, but. Yeah, we, we already got all kinds of beef with the Oscars. Um, But, yeah, so this movie is about a drummer who, you know, that's what I love about it is that, you know, it's a drummer who his one thing that he has, he loses, right? Mm -hmm. He can feel the vibrations, and there's some cool scenes with that later. I really like the scene on the slide with the kid. Yeah. Awesome scene. But um, he loses that, and he has to come to terms with his life never being the same. And that's sort of a haunting thing about this is that, you know, being deaf is uh, certainly not an easy thing to go through, but I think to happen so suddenly in the middle of your life, the adjustment is very difficult, and you see that in every single moment he is on screen. This is one of the best performances I have ever seen. And look, I, I, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about this in the Best Picture episode as well, but this movie is probably the best movie to depiction of deafness yep. I have seen personally. I agree. I agree. And it shows that deafness is not a disability. It's something that can be learned to live with. Exactly. It should that, not, and it should not be seen to be like... Actually, a few weeks ago in class, I learned about that exact thing. Really? About, uh, it was an episode about, or not an episode, it was a, we watched a TED talk about an uh, Australian sign language lady talking about how there needs to be a representation of deafness instead of trying to like make people get it cured when they might be more comfortable doing uh, sign language. Because in the movie it showed, because I didn't realize cochlear implants did not, like, I didn't realize yep. that's what they sound like in like, the movie. I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like, he's I thought you just started yep. hearing normal because I'm yep. obviously not deaf. So that, I've never been deaf. That is the thing that, um, so the, doc the doctor explains that cochlear implants, your ears don't function. It's just devices tricking your brain into hearing sounds, which is so cool. First of all, that's just cool that they figured out how to make that. Like, just cool. One day but a fish crawled out of the water and now we have cochlear implants. Oh my, what in the, stop it. Millions stop of years it. ago. I know, I know, but, um. Also, this film stars Olivia Cook as uh, Louise Berger. Olivia Cook, known for her role in Ready Player One, and then you've got Paul Rauchy as Joe, the leader of the deaf community and also leader of a band called Hands of Doom, which performs entirely in American Sign that's Language. Awesome. I love that. That's so just that's just cool. And he also actually, fun fact about him, he's nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and he actually is not deaf, but he did serve in Vietnam, and um, both of his parents were deaf, actually which uh, that's just a cool little uh, detail. And he's actually very prominent in the uh, deaf community and uh, does know all American Sign Language and also stars uh, Lauren Ridloff as Diane, who also is in The Walking Dead and is deaf uh, as well because she plays a deaf character in that film as well. And then uh, Matthew Almerich as, oh, uh, Luis's dad, Richard Berger. Yeah, Matthew Almerich is, I knew him from Grand Budapest Hotel. Ah, I've really? That. really? He's like, he's Sergei in that. Ah, there you go. Well, um... Yeah, so Riz Ahmed's performance in this film, I mean, 
what is there not to say? I think it's one of the best performances that I've seen in a long, long time. Really just, again, we'll talk more about the film and its immersion into the culture uh, later on, right? You know, we'll talk about that um, in the Best Picture episode because, again, there's a lot to discuss with it as well as there are some of the other movies. But this movie, I mean, first of all, you learn about how he initially started with auditory blockers in his ears to simulate being deaf and then decided to just communicate exclusively via American Sign Language with the cast and crew for the remainder of the film. And also, fun fact, this film was filmed in chronological order, so he's experiencing this progression naturally. His character's not going back and forth. He's just going along with it. And I think it's just the scene at the end, just the look on his face when he finds that mm. stillness, unbelievable. Like, that was the happy ending that I didn't think we'd get. I, w- I didn't think that was the happy ending I want, but that was almost a happy ending. Uh, the look it. on his face of just satisfaction, almost finding what he's been I've been listening. Alex can attest to this. I was listening to, like, the song, the original song that came with and just watching the deleted scenes that you see him getting to interact with all the other characters more because he comes like a teacher in. You can, sell it, you can tell he really loves it. And you can see like the conflict, uh, not the, the 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 turmoil in his mind between yeah. becoming a drummer again, yep, or accepting his deafness exactly. and kind of living in this community that he was and that like, he's having so much fun. And the fun role in. with the kids, and I also think, um, just the just the the ability of the actor to portray that confusion, you know, because he can he can hear everything the actors are actually saying, but his character cannot. I think there are some scenes where, like, there were moments in the movie where I'm like, oh yeah, like. Absolutely, he's not hearing a word that's happening, and I can't hear it. Either. Like it was weird. Like the immersion of it was weird. But like the way the actor portrays it, you know, you believe it, you feel it. That he genuinely feels this sense of, you know, like like that he's lost, that he can't see, hear anything. Like the moment when it hits him, the look of dread on his face when he can't hear his girlfriend Lou speaking to him outside of the con- outside of the concert. The look on his face when he's drumming along, and he realizes he has no idea what he's what he's what sounds he's making. And I think. The first scenes when he's in the deaf community, he just doesn't feel that he belongs. To later on when he's signing with everybody at the dinner table, that 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 jump and that progression between those two scenes. I mean, I was I was gosh. like cheering with them. I was I was crying I was with them. I was celebrating. I was I was. When, when we don't want to, we don't need to get too much in the movie. When a movie gets me to talk out loud and cheer yes. for a success story, you know it has an impact. And this movie did. And it, partly it's because it's one of the best performances of the last ten years. It's one of the best performances of the year, in my opinion. It is top two this year that I've seen so far. I mean, I'm just like, man, I just. I do want to say one more thing before we move yeah, on to the father, yeah. which is a movie that touches on another, uh, like not a high button top, but like a. A disability, something that not many people yes. know about. A, a dis- the, the, in, that, in this case, so it's a disability. Yeah, because yeah, not yeah, a disability. Sound, sound, of Me- sound of Metal talked about how it is not really a disability, not a disease, more of a thing that you have to just adapt to yeah. and learn to love yourself anyway, which message is great, by the way. But um, yeah, I mean, look, what were you going to say your last So time? I want to say I've, I wouldn't say an advocate. I'm not going out in the streets as much as I would love to. Now's not really the best time to, you know, with the pandemic going around. But I've, uh, been vocal around people. I might have told you this before, but I think American Sign Language should be taught more widely in schools. I think that uh, making uh, 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 communication with deaf people, like a, I think that should be a priority for us. I think if you should do anything, you should at least learn the ASL sign or alphabet. It's really easy. It doesn't take that long. Uh, I really encourage you to do that. Watch this movie. And I think it might change your outlook. Honestly, on I, that. I think watching the movie might make you want to do that. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's just, it's incredible. Like, I'm just, I'm just kind of just in awe of like the uh, performance by Riz throughout this. And again, I actually watched um, the TV show that was his big breakout performance the night of with my dad. And he was so amazing in that. I thought, this is the rising star that, and then he gets Rogue One. I'm thinking, all right, there he goes again. And now he's getting this, getting nominated for an Oscar. Any other year, I think he wins it easily, easily, but he's going up against one of the greatest actors that has ever walked the earth and one of the greatest performances that we have ever seen, and that is Anthony Hopkins playing Anthony Anthony in The Father, which, if I may receive Davis's plot, the father of Anne, Anthony has dementia and has to figure what is happening around him while his timeline of events crumbles around him. So this is a movie about a man. Is it dementia or Alzheimer's is undefined? I thought it was dementia, but let me check. I know those are like not they, the they, same they thing. are very they, have, they are they loosely they are uh loosely related in in different contexts. I'm not sure if it really defines it. I I I personally just assumed it was dementia. It uh 
I don't. It doesn't really tell me. But why don't you go ahead and start talking about it while I figure it out? It is dementia. I see. Um. So and. I think I, I'm looking at it now, and just dementia is a general term for decline in mental ability severe enough to interfere with daily life, and Alzheimer's is a common cause of dementia. So, because Alzheimer's is a specific degenerative brain so disorder. So, he might have had all, yeah. He yeah, so it, it, it's, it kind of goes like that. Dementia is the more broad brush, while Alzheimer's is a specific uh, type. And again, it depends. And I will say this movie. If for, any, for any of those who have experienced uh, the tragedy of dementia with one of their loved ones, this movie will hit hit close to home, and it will hit hard, absolutely. I have not uh, as of yet, and honestly, out of this movie, I certainly don't want to, because it just it looks painful, and this movie puts it at the forefront with Anthony Hopkins' performance as Anthony. It's a short, uh, just under, or just two-hour movie, I believe. It's hour 30. Really? It's it hour 37. Hour, yeah, it's hour 37, actually. Very short. Um, And it packs a lot into it, and man, I mean... I'll say this, Davis. I myself am not an emotional person. I'm not. I'm not going to go on here and, like I, like, I don't cry at movies. I don't cry at all, really. I shed a tear at this movie. I did, I did twice in this movie. Three t- different times what was in your this third film. time? Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember. Uh, spoiler, it's an effect. By the way, Olivia Coleman nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I mean, come well on. Deserved. She's amazing in this movie. She is. One of the scenes was when... Um, was when she uh, imagined strangling Anthony uh, to put him out of his misery yeah. and herself. And then later on, you see the scene again, but she's singing to him as he falls. That, oh. that scene hit way too hard. I was, And then the other two scenes are when he, the scene where he's getting uh, abused. Slap, yeah. And then the last scene where he cries for his mommy. Oh, my flat. gosh. Yeah, I, give it, I got just chill bones just thinking this, about that. This movie has not, I've, it has not left my mind for more than five minutes today. I've been thinking about it at a constant rate. Since I watched it last night. And ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you this. Anthony Hopkins gave one of the best performances of all time as Hannibal Lecter and Silence of the Lambs. We talked about it on our Psychos episode last semester, actually. We talked about Hannibal Lecter and Silence of the Lambs. It's one of the best performances of yes. all time. This is better. Yes, it is In better. every facet. It is Anthony Hopkins in... How old is he, by the way? He's like 83, I believe. Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Oh, that's true. De- to you. Definitely. Hey, hey, I'll absolutely He's call He's 83. That. Sir, a- Sir Philip Anthony Hopkins, CBE, is a Welsh actor. Oh, you got I, I'll say it. This is the best performance of his career. Yeah, I'm not. I, I agree. And with in that. the in the in the later half, of, in the towards the end of his career as an actor, he didn't knock it out of the park. He didn't knock it out of the city. He knocked it out of the atmosphere. This is unbelievable. Like, I, so Davis, this morning, you know, I I watched that movie last night, right? And I watch in my room while my roommates are watching uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. I don't know why. I was like, watch the movie instead. But I go out there and I'm just, I, I sat in my room and contemplated for 15 minutes before I left my room to go in the living room. And then I get up this morning. And first I called you because I wanted you to watch. I was asleep. And then I called my dad because I was like, look, dad, you're going to see a charge for $20 on your Amazon account. I apologize, but it had to be done for the sake of the podcast. And he's like, oh, yeah, I saw it, the father. And I was like, dad, have you? He's like, I've already seen it. He, so the Crescent, uh, as I told you earlier, uh, movie theater in Mobile, love the theater, um, showing all the Oscar-nominated Best Picture films uh, this month. So my dad saw it at the Crescent. He's like, I still haven't stopped thinking about it. It's great. And great movie. we'll talk about the Best Picture because uh, it's nominated for Best Picture as well. But my dad said when he walked out of the theater after seeing it, we still haven't stopped thinking about it. He said that the guy who owns the Crescent said people have come back for a second and third viewing to see different things that changed throughout the movie because – First of all, this is my favorite structure of a movie that I've ever seen. We're, we're going to say this. I'm sorry. Which is should win best editing. Just yes, that. absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say that. I'm going to be honest. I said it would be difficult to keep on off best pictures type stuff with a movie. And this is the movie I was talking about because like, it's just so much. But Anthony Hopkins, he portrays a man that is in agony. Not a physical agony. You know, he, do, he isn't his arm or his leg or his, his, like, you know, his body is not hurting. But his mind is what's hurting him throughout the movie. And you see that every single scene, the sheer terror every time he seems to have forgotten something or realize that he doesn't see it. And do you remember when the little violin plays? The violin in the background that plays anytime you notice something is different? Haunting part of it. But, I mean, I'm just, I can't stop talking about it. I'm sorry, yeah. you, you go ahead, Davis. I know I'm talking a lot over here. It's just, I like, think Anthony Hopkins, for someone that does not have dementia... Like, I, I personally don't have any experience with it either. I don't either. I, I, I think one of my families might have had it. I think I might have heard that, but I wasn't alive for yeah. it. 
Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I don't want to say that that's mm, true and then it not yeah. be absolutely. But yeah. uh, he, you can you can see how confused he is as a character. It's just, oh, it's so heartbreaking. It's so distressing to watch him because you because you really feel for this character. He's he he's an elderly man. He's living with his daughter. You just you just feel for him. You, you and he's he's really hurting. You can tell. And when he cries for his mom, I cried. Yeah, it was. There is a huge. There's, everything's falling yeah. apart around him. Exactly. And, see, and what I took it as was the day that when he cried for his mom near the end. That's like I've heard about dementia or Alzheimer's. Sometimes there'll be days of like lucidity where like they they can tell they remember stuff. They can tell what's going on around them. Yeah. I, I feel like that was one of the days where it was. But then he started falling again because he he got the postcard from Anne. But then he was like, "This is from my mom. I hope she'll come visit me." Yeah. I it like. That's that's scene, that movie. scene was gut wrenching. I mm. mean, it was, and I think um, this. Oh, so there was one particular scene that really stuck out to me at the beginning of the movie. So the first scene, he's talking with his daughter Anne, and I think the the brilliant thing about this is that he does not showcase a lot of his symptoms in that first scene. He just seems like an old guy who's forgetting a few things. Yeah. Like he's it's, it seems very early he thinks, stages. He thinks someone stole his watch, but he actually just yeah, lost it. Yeah, like like that's just like it's more like just like it's just like you know like jokes almost. Honestly, like you know it's just like. But, and but then the next scene, right? He's in the kitchen, and up to this point, we're assuming it's just early stage, and we're going to see a progression, right? But then when he's around the kitchen, there's little hints from Anthony Hopkins' portrayal. Like for one, he looks back at the counter a few times to figure out what he just put down. He looks in the cabinet, and then the best detail, which this is involving the plot, he goes and looks in the bag of groceries, and he opens it and he pauses because he looks at it, and it's like he doesn't know what he purchased. Now, Davis, did you notice? Later on in the movie, his daughter Anne walks in with groceries, and those are the bags that she walked in with. I did not. Now, I mean, like, now that you mention it, but, like, if I watched it again, I probably would have realized that. And, like, just little details like that from his portrayal of a confused man really sell that and sell the emotions of that scene and sell the emotion of the movie. And, I mean, it's just, just, it's just, it's just, ladies and gentlemen, it is $20 on Amazon. This is a movie you have to see. This is that movie. That move, one movie a year that you have to watch because it is an all-time performance. And I'm going to say right now, he deserves the Oscar 110%. You know, 110%. So before I'd seen this this morning, I watched it this morning, I had been, like, writing out all the other movies. I watched Minari last night. And I was like, I was like, uh... I had kept mentioning Anthony Hopkins because I heard how amazing his performance was. So I didn't want to count him out. I was like, I was like, I think Riz Ahmed or Chadwick. So I'll say that for a minute. But then, then I watched this, and it completely changed everything. I had to go rewrite some of these because he clear cut. He's the best one. I mean, I literally said yes, hundred percent yes. He has one of the most movie performances I've ever seen. I'm so I'm saying it. this now. This is my favorite performance I think I've ever seen. Honestly, this might be my favorite performance that I've ever seen from an actor. It's, it's, unbelievable. It's just, I know I keep saying that. That's the word that I keep finding because it's just, there's not a movie that's stuck with me like this that I can remember. That really has me sitting here thinking about what I just witnessed. And I'm not being dramatic. I'm not hyping it up for the sake of a dramatic end of this podcast episode at all, ladies and gentlemen. If this is a good performance, I'd say it's a good performance and call it a day and see you all next week. But I'm sitting here because I woke up this morning and I wanted to talk about it with anybody. I want to just say to my friends, watch this movie so I can talk about this movie with you. That's how so. I am with so many movies, and I'm glad we have one in common. Yeah, yeah, but I said we finally got it. We got it. Like, cause I, like I've been like telling my friends, look, I've got it on my account till tomorrow at ten o'clock. Watch the movie. You got to do it because, and like, oh, I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to watch it. Who cares? That, look, I've had this debate before. Oh, here we go. People that say they don't like sad movies. I'm sorry. I'm, my mom says she doesn't like sad movies. I am. I mean, like, and I get that. And she's like, but, like, what, name a ha- truly happy movie with no bit of sadness in it at all. Mm. Name one. Um, exactly. Um, man. Exactly. Man. Man. Wow. Can't think of one. So my point is, I don't think a movie can have a plot Without at least, <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, I'm you're, serious. no you're right. You're without right. Without at least you're having right. a bit of depressing aspects, because mo- movie plots are something happy, happiness, sadness breaks it up, to re- and you have to return to that. Yeah, the happiness. resolution. The resolution. Which, by the way, this movie has no resolution. Which is yeah. And painful, then there's but. there's some movies that are just sadness with a little bit of happiness in the middle for that glimmer of hope, and then continued sadness, like Schindler's List, 
is that with the Indians kind of having the, the yeah. bit of hope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this movie is just kind of sadness with the the glimmers of when he's kind of there when he's talking to his daughter and when he goes like when he goes like thank you for everything you've done and she smiles. That's like the the little glimmer of happiness, yeah. and then it keeps going. Like I don't think a movie can have a plot without a bit of sadness in it. I agree. I agree. And I think and the side of the movie, not uh, I'm not gonna say the side of the movie, the better of the movie. And That's I think not true. I think you know I think, um, I think, in the case of it, you know, it is a sad movie, but it like, it's brilliant. It like it's just it's sad. It's emotional. But as I said. I haven't cried in a movie that I can remember except when Bruce uh, chomped his teeth at Finding Nemo and I started crying like a baby because I was three years old. That scared me. To this day, it does. Alex, I'm going to find you some more crying movies. Uh, no, I just I just don't. No, I mean, you're gonna, I'm going to get I you some. I just don't have emotions, Davis. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why don't you watch Schindler's List? Maybe. We'll see. We'll that, see. That is, look, the father's very distressing, but the Schindler's List is times 100. Yeah. I had to turn it off whoa, first time I watched whoa now, it. Whoa now. The, the only the movie that I've seen that I, I, I came near tears was uh, this movie About Time. There's this one scene at the end, which I don't want to spoil if you haven't seen it yet, but there's this one scene at the end that really tugged at the heartstrings. Everybody else in, my, in the apartment cried. I didn't know, so let the record show. I uh, stood out amongst the rest. Um, No, but, like, I just... Just wow. There's, yeah, it's amazing. It's, Watch the movie. We're going to talk honest, about it more for best I'll be honest. I don't, I don't want to say this, but I, this may be the one time the Academy gets mad if they give it to anybody else. I understand... I understand Chadwick Boseman nominated posthumously a tragic end to a young career and a great performance, arguably his best ever. But Anthony Hopkins. I mean, this gives yeah, the best it needs to go to Anthony Hopkins, but I expect this is what I expect. I don't want it to though. I expect the Oscars gonna give it to Chadwick Boseman. And Chadwick Boseman gave me a great gave a great performance. And I'm not gonna be mad if they give it to Chadwick or even Riz. I, but I'm gonna be disappointed with them. I might be just because I know that this is Anthony. Anthony Hopkins towards the end of his career and this is a great actor who I mean he deserves it yeah like just like I I don't want to say it's an award show I don't want to say he's like mad because it's an award show that's all it is we talk about this it's just an award show it's nothing else but this movie has me feeling some kind of way about this performance to the point where I, I I genuinely want him to win because I think he is that amazing of an actor and gave that amazing performance but that's my pick. That's your pick as well. Um, again, go watch all these movies. Really, uh, I'd say watch all of them except maybe Mank. Mank. I mean, Mank's good, but that's more of Mank a feeling. Mank is, slow Mank is less on a must see list as Sound of Metal and The Father, in my opinion, are yes. definite must sees. Minari is again. I think foreign language films deserve a more prominent spot in the mainstream, and I think this is a good way for a lot of people to start. And I think with one day, one day, Ma Rainey, you've got two yeah. of the better performances of the year. And again, Chad Boseman's last performance. Again, just watch it. One day I'm going to make a list of movies that everybody should see before they die. Like, uh -huh. not in the sense, like, you got to watch Shawshank because it's so good, but, like, movies that give you a lesson, that teach you something. Ah. Like, Schindler's List, The Pianist, I think, are on there. They're very eye-opening, very revealing about... I think The Father uh, might yeah. be. I, you know, I, The Father and Sound of Metal would go on that because they teach about dementia and the deaf community so well true. that it changed my outlook on the deaf community. Like, I was already an advocate. Uh, I don't want to keep saying advocate because I wasn't. As supporter much, a supporter of supporter. American Sign Language and of learning it, but like now I'm gonna start learning it again. Honestly, I came out of that and I was like, I may have to make this a summer project. Yeah, teach myself the American Sign Language. Learn the alphabet it. at least it takes I mean, a day. I'm gonna have to do it. I'm gonna have to do it. What is that? What was that? Davis is I'm doing alphabet. Something. Oh, you're, you're like in order. I was like, yeah, it's the alphabet. I, I thought you were spelling something as well. I was like, okay, well, M N O P Q. R. No, no, that's oh. no, that's R. R. No, that's not R. Oh, R. Yeah, because because that was uh, Ruben, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that checks out. Also, no, I'm not, I can't tell that story because it has a bad word in it. I suppose not. Um, but yeah, that, that's it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, again, learn American Sign Language, watch these movies, <laughs> do all that. It's your homework today, folks. Oh my lord, we ain't giving homework right now. Well, I just, just did. saying, guys. If you're gonna watch some movies this weekend, go ahead and watch some of the some of these that we talked about because they really are incredible movies. And we thank you for listening to this episode of Through the Lens, the All Things Movie Podcast. We discuss the best actor nominees at the Oscars coming up at the end of the month. Next week we'll be back with the best actress. We've already talked about one of those movies, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Viola Davis. We will also be discussing the other four nominees, which are you got it over there? I, I, I'm just, I was going to get to it. I was just going to cut this out, so now I would just go straight oh, okay. to it.
Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andrew Day for U.S. vs. Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Francis McDormand for Nomadland, and Casey Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Again, if you want to watch any of those movies, you can go right ahead. If you want to give us your thoughts uh, on these films, we make a post about it. That's our Instagram, at through underscore the underscore lens underscore weagle. That is through underscore the underscore lens underscore weagle. An underscore... Uh, in between each word, you can go ahead and follow us along on Instagram for updates on our podcast and give us any thoughts on movies you want us to review, want us to talk about, want us to, you know, just debate anything, topics, series, anything you want us to talk about. Go ahead and follow us along and let us know. But until next time, I'm Alex Houston alongside Davis Carroll, and we thank you for joining us. We will see you next week for that Best Actress episode.